360 degrees. High high, 360 degrees. High high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. High high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Tonight, as Native American Heritage Month drives to an end, we'll hear sounds from the 52nd anniversary of the indigenous occupation of Alcatraz held last Saturday, November 20th, on The Rock, including interviews from Morningstar Galley, dancers, activists, Lisa Felix, Paloma Flores, Dr. Lineda Warjack, and we'll hear excerpts from the Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland, as well as songs and music from the event. That's tonight on Full Circle. We are your host tonight. I am Freewell and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok Territory. And sentient Shiloh from Huchin Occupied Ohlone Territory, also known to settlers as Fruitvale in Oakland. Yeah, and before we get on with the show tonight, we want to dedicate this show to Anastasia Russell, who was a KPFA volunteer and a big supporter of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Joy Moore wrote this short, touching tribute. Check it out. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Tonight on Full Circle, we dedicate this show to our beloved Anastasia Blue Russell. She left this plane October 8th. For many years, Anastasia was the face that greeted all of us when we entered the doors of KPFA. Her friendly, open, smiling face was refreshing and will be missed always. Anastasia was always loving, positive, warm and welcoming to any and all who walked through the doors. When we were in financial straits here at Pacifica, Anastasia was laid off, but she volunteered to be receptionist anyway. We love and miss her terribly, and we're sending loving gratitude for her and the family that produced her and loved her and that she loved dearly. Anastasia was an ardent supporter of the KPFA Apprenticeship Program and Full Circle and she was the best of KPFA. On behalf of the KPFA Pacifica community, we give love and thanks to and for Anastasia, and we will always miss her. Rest in power and love. Full Circle and the KPFA Apprenticeship Program express great gratitude and love for you. Thank you. Welcome back to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Shout out to Group 46. Hey. Yeah, that was a tribute by Joy Moore and edited by me. Yes. And I remember Anastasia always being out front and always being a kind soul. It was a pleasure to have Anastasia around KPFA. And I know when she had to leave KPFA, she was really missed at the time. 
um, not being around, but I know that she will no, uh, most certainly be missed now that she has moved on to the heavenly state. But we're always thinking about you down here, Anastasia. Thank you for that, Frank. We begin tonight's show with a bit from an interview I conducted with Morning Star Galley, the California Tribal Community Liaison of the International Indian Treaty Council, where she discusses a bit of the history of the reclamation and celebration on the rock. So I'm really excited to meet with you and spend this time. Yeah, I'm excited too, thank you. So the Sunrise Gathering has a long history, going back to 69, right, 71, to the takeover of the rock. And can you tell our listeners about some of the history of this gathering and what it's like for folks who've never been? Sure. So I'll just share that the Sunrise Gathering, the Indigenous Peoples Sunrise Gathering on Alcatraz Island um, is in honor and commemoration of the Alcatraz occupation that took place from 1969 to 1971. It was a 19-month occupation that was student-led, and it was in uh, the late 1970s is when the Sunrise Gatherings um, first began and were held. They were first held in Oakland, California at the Aim for Freedom Survival School how I received my name was during one of these sunrise gatherings as I was the first of a series of home births. The Alcatraz sunrise gatherings were both November 25th, the fourth Thursday of the month, and then the second Monday for October for Indigenous Peoples Day. And it was in recognition and remembrance, but it was also in held in collective solidarity with Indigenous peoples worldwide held in resistance of continued occupations that we are under, and then also in celebration and honoring um, and truth-telling of what this holiday means for us as Indigenous peoples. Wow, thank you. That is amazing. And, you know, it also relates to my next question, which is that as young Americans or U.S. settlers, right, people are virtually immersed in this traditional what is known as Thanksgiving Day holiday. But I'm wondering, how have you celebrated this Thursday in November in the evening or later in the day after the gathering? Do you have any other traditions that you practice? So one of the, yes, I was not born during the uh, 1969 to 1971 occupation, but I was, well, I was both in still in my mother's womb and throughout the years of my childhood, I was taken out to the rock as we know it and did participate in the sunrise gathering ceremonies. And so it was just a handful of us, maybe 25 to 30 people that we would go, you know, at 4 a.m. and and board the boat in the cold and we would hold hold that gathering, hold that ceremonial gathering and prayer. And so in terms of helping to coordinate the gatherings, you know, I've continued to attend the ceremonies. I've continued to bring my children there since they were very little. And I now um, help to, over the last 12 years, have helped to organize and emcee the, the annual sunrise gathering. I will say that, you know, an annual tradition dating back to that time of the early 80s, was that we would hold an annual potluck at La Pena Cultural Center, actually, 
and that was always held after the gathering on Alcatraz Island. And it really was, you know, a community gathering and celebration where, you know, we recognize that there may be, you know, there's there's many Native peoples and, and families within what's known as the urban res, um, what's now known more commonly as the Ohlone Bay, but that we would gather, you know, knowing that our, we weren't, didn't have the opportunity to be there with our family. Maybe many of us were estranged or ostracized from our families for not participating in, you know, the traditional colonial um, celebration of Thanksgiving, but that we would celebrate by, by bringing our traditional foods and gathering together in, in that way, again, in prayer, in celebration of community. So that's a tradition that I've always look to and and recognize, um, I'll be honest in saying that, you know, usually by the end of the sunrise gathering on Indigenous People's Thanksgiving Day, I'm pretty exhausted. And, (laughs) you know, my children and I are probably eating like leftover tamales or something on that day, not having that energy, but that, you know, we do try our best to cook and hold, you know, what would be a traditional autumn feast or, you know, feast of Thanksgiving with, I usually have a backstock of our, what our traditional foods are. So that's acorn, salmon, elderberries that are our traditional foods for California Native peoples. And so we have a meal out of that. And La Pena isn't happening because of COVID or did something happen to the center? In recent years and the way that the gathering expanded, it's just not, it's no longer, I think there were just a lot of challenges in being able, I mean, we have 5,000 people that are on the island now. So even trying to be able, you know, five to 6,000 in some years. And so, you know, trying to even host some sort of breakfast, you know, free breakfast just always kind of comes with those challenges of like, how do we feed this many people coming off of the island? We just don't have the personal capacity in terms of an entire month of Native American Heritage Month events. And we're like at the final stretch of it at that time we joke and say like we are native the other 11 months of the year like, it doesn't all have to be packed into <laughs> into real. November you know we just roll with it the best that we can and yeah maybe one of these days we can hold those community gatherings at La Pena again yeah and maybe not in November when everyone's exhausted <laughs> yeah for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. That totally makes sense. Speaking of which, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about the event that's happening this Saturday? Sure. I'll share that this Saturday, there is an event hosted on Alcatraz Island by Indians of all tribes. So it really is an honor to be able to host them. Great. Thank you. Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. That was a bit of my interview with Morningstar, and we will hear more later in the show. And up next, listen in to a live recording from the 52nd anniversary celebration of the Indigenous occupation from this past Saturday, November 20th. Sounds were collected by the two of us, myself and Shiloh, and graduate apprentices David DeLagrand and Kendall Craco a.k.a. Kenny C. This mashup from all four of us includes Dorothy Firecloud from the Rosebud Sioux Tribe of North Dakota reading a co-created with the National Park Service land acknowledgement, Lisa Felix, one of the organizers of the event, and two of the original occupiers, Dr. Lineda Warjack and Eloy Martinez. 
I'm honored to join you all today and to be a part of the historical legacy of such an important moment in the civil rights movement for Native people. Before I continue, I'd like to read a land acknowledgement and recognition of the area's original peoples. So we are standing in the traditional territory of the Yalamu, a local tribe of the Ramatush Alona peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula. The Yalamu understood the interconnectedness of all things and maintained harmony with nature for millennia. Beginning in the 18th century, Spanish, Mexican, and American colonialization displaced and eradicated Native peoples across California and across the United States, including the Yalamu. However, a few other Ramatush Ohlone families did survive. Today, they maintain a strong cultural and spiritual connection to their ancestral homelands, seeking to fulfill their responsibilities as stewards. Let this land acknowledgement stand as a commitment to honoring the original peoples of this land and to uncovering the truths of the past that shape our present and future. So we're here with, uh, with KPFA right now. This is our first voice radio full circle. And we're here right now with Lisa, Lisa and Rachel. You're part of the organizing uh, crew, right, right here, uh, Lisa? Yes, we are. This is for the 52nd anniversary of the Alcatraz occupation, honoring the elders that were on this island. Right on. You know, what are some of the highlights that you're looking forward to seeing? I mean, just being here is a highlight, right? And being able to just honor everyone here and those who were before us. I think, and the little ones, you know, just for them to experience it as well. Right on. Thanks a lot. You know, a lot of the obstacles are really with some of the the government policies as far as, you know, especially with COVID and the pandemic and just a lot of people retired. Some of the people that know about us and know that we do this every year. And so we just had to kind of go through new people and explain, you know, the traditions and the ceremonies and um, just just giving people that knowledge to carry on so that we can come here and have this organized and have it go smoothly for, you know, all of our guests. You know, what's important is a lot of our elders is just to remember them and remember that they're still here and that they carry a lot of knowledge from the past and that we need to learn from them and respect what they have to say and respect their presence and just carry that on to future generations to the little ones and so that's why we're really happy that you know we have some of our children I have my niece here um, just just to kind of um, pass that uh, tradition on to the next generation Right on, you're listening to the voice right now, Lisa, one of the organizers of, of this event. Restoring justice for indigenous peoples. I'm the operations manager. So happy to be here, happy to be organizing and um, just being a part of all of this. It's an honor. Right on, thanks for all your palabras. Thank you, thank you for having me. My name is uh, Eloy Martinez. Uh, I just want everybody in here say, give us the title. Come on. Give us the title. Give us the title. Land back. You know, uh, I think it's important that, you know, everybody here I know is on our side. You know, the Rangers and other people, everybody here is on our side. So if everybody starts writing letters, I don't know who you would write them to, but I think if you look up in that thing, it'll tell you somewhere we could write letters 
and start sending stuff in and saying 52 years is a hell of a long time to wait for a cultural center. Now that we, we've had a, a meeting with Deb Hallen, which was awesome in itself, I never thought that I would meet people like that in my lifetime. It's so awesome. And you know, it's something that will stay in your heart. And uh, your heart is from where the love comes. We don't need no more hate. You know, there's hate, uh, hate away, way. There's way too much of that. We don't need none of that. So if we come from the heart, I think we'll be all right. Because whatever you give in love, you give back tenfold. What you give in hate doesn't do you any good. It just drives you down and just, you know, and we don't need any more hate. My name is Lenata Warjack, Dr. Lenata Warjack. I was a, one of the original student leaders that took Alcatraz 52 years ago. Oh. So, so what uh, I'm gonna do is read our new proclamation. All right, uh, we want to thank and give tribute to the Ohlone people whose land and territory this is. The California Indians and all native people suffered greatly during and after the genocide. The occupation of Alcatraz is one of the most significant benchmarks in the history of the struggle for native political sovereignty and social justice. Native people took a stand against the colonial powers and reconnected with lost identities, culture, and spirituality. The taking of Alcatraz had an international impact on people worldwide. 52 years ago, Indians of all tribes requested the federal government to build a cultural center and Thunderbird University on Alcatraz Island. The intent was to turn the prison into a positive site where Native people could show the world how to live with natural laws, preserving our ecological balance as our ancestors did for thousands of years. We wish to share our culture and provide the education to inspire our future generations how to connect with Mother Earth. Today we look for the opportunity to work with the Department of Interior and the National Park Service to keep this dream alive. Alcatraz is the only site within the National Park Service that projects the power of the, of the social justice movement on behalf of Native people in this country. And I'll have Richard Oakes Jr. read the, uh, the last here. Turning it over to the next generation here. Thank you. We hereby proclaim this land in recognition of indigenous people throughout our continents as the birthplace of the Red Power Movement. We wish to continue our sunrise ceremonies and tribal practices by having a center established on Alcatraz. Indians of all tribes celebrate the anniversary of the occupation of Alcatraz on November 20th of every year. So what I'd like to do is play a couple of songs that come from Akwesasne. A good friend of mine, Bear Fox, she's a Mohawk singer-songwriter, and uh, she wrote a couple these two songs. One is Sky World, so first of all I want to dedicate the Sky World song to all the Alcatraz occupiers of 1969 through 1971 
who are no longer with us today, but are in the sky world. So this is for all their efforts and their sacrifices 52 years ago, sky world. Mountain Lion Padilla, he's going to join me. are, let's put our minds together as one and remember those who have passed on to the sky world. Their life duties are complete. They are living peacefully in the sky world. They will never be forgotten. No more pain, no more suffering in the sky world. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA, and KPFA.org. I am Free Will and Franklin. I'm one of your hosts tonight. And you just heard a collection of sounds from the 52nd anniversary of the indigenous occupation of Alcatraz. Those sounds were gathered, like I said earlier, by myself, Free Will and Franklin, Kenny C. and David DeLegrand, along with Shiloh Burton, my co-host for the night. And we were actually there this past Saturday, November 20th, which is the actual anniversary date. And as far as I understand it, Shiloh, you have never been to the celebration hosted by the Indians of all tribes. What did you think about what you saw on this day? I think the most powerful aspect for me was seeing the multi-generational families of folks who've been coming to the island for 52 years. They will not be forgotten and they are still here and they are still working towards the cultural center and getting the title to the rock. Dr. Lineda 
Warjack and Eloy Martinez in particular were really interesting to me because they've been there since the beginning. Being in person, especially after being isolated for most of the past 20 months, was also revitalizing for me. And how about you, Frank? What's your experience with the celebration? Um, for me, I think people don't really often know that people gather on the actual anniversary date, which is November 20th. And for me to see the elders and the folks, like you said, the multi-generations, really kind of brings it home for me, like how the fight continues like seeing the faces, the faces of the people that actually led the way for us as indigenous people to like continue to do this kind of work. And actually we're still fighting for a lot of the things they were fighting for. So it's just good to know and see that they're actually human beings that you don't just hear about. They're like right here still living. So yeah, that was what it was for me. Um, well, let's just move on with the show for now because we did have a surprise at the last minute when we learned that the first Native American Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland, was on the rock to meet with organizers and the original occupiers from the Indians of all tribes and the International Indian Treaty Council, as well as held a press conference. Listen in to how she discusses how indigenous voices are finally at the table in the cabinet room and how she stands on the shoulders of the people who came before her, including the folks she just met with that day. It starts with the voice of Lenata Warjack describing the experience of meeting Deb Halland, and then you will hear the voice of Deb Halland as she gives her press conference on the rock. We had previously met with uh, the Secretary of Interior who has been here to share this occasion with us. We were very honored to have her here. It, it says a lot for the changes in the new public policies that we're going through right now. So I'm really grateful that we have been acknowledged and that we may have a chance to go forward in the future with our museum and cultural center that we had proposed 52 years ago. So we're still pushing on and we're still struggling and uh, fighting to preserve our momentum of continuing to fight for uh, social justice and political sovereignty. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all so much. I'm really happy to be here and um, a beautiful, beautiful day on the ancestral lands of the Ohlone people. Guatsi Helpa, greetings, everyone. Duhiname Itzatiwitsa Shui Mihanu. I'm honored to speak today from Alcatraz Island. Like many of the public lands in the care of the Department of the Interior, these lands tell a story and you can feel it. Some may think Alcatraz Island as a place that movies and novels have described where prisoners were kept in cells and tried to escape. But for me and for many indigenous people, this land tells another story. In November of 1969, I was almost nine years old. I didn't understand it then, but my very existence as a native child was in some ways an act of defiance against historic policies to exterminate indigenous cultures, traditions, languages, and essentially us as a group of people. We are the descendants of ancestors who lived in tune with nature, practiced sustainability, and thrived on this continent 
long before the colonization of North America. Many of us are the descendants of people who endured horrific brutality at the hands of those who oppressed us. We are the descendants of grandparents, aunts, uncles, and parents who were stolen from their homes and from their families so that their cultures, traditions, and languages could be wiped away from their memories. Many of us come from families who were relocated from our homelands with broken promises by the federal government that their children would have better lives. In November of 1969, a history began with acts of defiance to take the rock. That history in many ways paved the way for tribal self-determination policies that President Biden and I championed just this week as we gathered with tribal leaders for the first White House Tribal Nation Summit of this administration. 52 years ago, the situation was dire. The federal government had walked away from their promises to help indigenous people who were forced to relocate to urban areas. Federal agencies refused to abide by basic consultation standards and many native communities had lost large swaths of their lands. When indigenous people are separated from their homelands, from our traditions, and from our people, the impacts are more than physical. They're spiritual. They manifest deep in our bodies, in our hearts, and have lasting intergenerational consequences. It's a feeling that tears at our souls and is in direct opposition to who we are as people. We cultivate community. We care for our environment. We help each other. We, we crave connection to our ancestors. We love the earth. The occupation of Alcatraz Island by indigenous people in 1969 was more than a call for action. It was a cry for a sense of community and the life ways that were stolen from us. Alcatraz was born out of desperation. Out of this, we gained a sense of community and visibility in the eyes of the federal government. But more than that, our indigenous identities were somehow restored. Many people romanticize the occupation of Alcatraz, but we cannot overlook the hardships that families endured over those two years. But because of the sacrifices that were made in this place, we no longer have to act out of desperation. The fact that I'm standing here today is a testament to that fact. I am here, we are here, and we're not going anywhere. We're in a new era. We're in a new era, an era in which we can embrace our identities as indigenous people and be proud of how much we have accomplished so that tribal leaders have a real seat at the table before decisions are made that impact their communities. An era in which we recognize the value of traditional indigenous knowledge in our efforts to address the climate crisis. An era in which our commitment to Native American, Alaska Native, Native Hawaiian, and island communities is reflected in an all-of-government approach to address the needs of indigenous people. It's that commitment that drives the work we do at the Department of the Interior. 
Whether it's restoring tribal homelands and empowering tribes to make decisions for their communities or putting the power of the federal government behind the work to address the missing and murdered indigenous peoples crisis and the intensive process we are undertaking to heal from the terrible impacts that Indian boarding schools have had on our communities. We are centering indigenous voices in all of our work because we are still here. The will to survive is ingrained in us, passed down through the generations by our ancestors. It's already having an impact thanks to President Biden's compassionate leadership. I know what it means to visit a place where ancestors once walked and lived, to feel their presence and feel a spiritual connection to that place. It gives me chills just thinking about how just last month, President Biden announced permanent protections for our ancestral homelands in Bears Ears National Monument. Chaco Canyon is a sacred place that holds deep spiritual meaning for the indigenous peoples whose ancestors lived, worked, and thrived in that high desert community and have cared for the area since time immemorial. Our relatives are speaking as well today. <laughs> We also announced that Interior and 16 other federal agencies have formally committed to protecting tribal treaty rights in agency policymaking and regulatory processes. We launched an interagency initiative to preserve, protect, and promote the rights and freedoms of Native Americans to use, practice, and develop their native languages. Additionally, the President has signed the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law which will make historic investments in indigenous communities. This is billions of dollars that will bolster community resilience, replace aging infrastructure, and provide support needed for climate-related relocation and adaptation. This funding and these efforts will be transformational in our communities, but investing in indigenous people will not alone solve the challenges we face. We have schools and infrastructure to build. We have legacy pollution to address. We have communities that are literally being washed away by coastal erosion. And there is a racism in this country that continues to target native people. Offensive names, mascots, and rally cries are not a thing of the past, but their time has come. And and as long as I have a platform to speak from, I will stand against them. Representation matters. Being here matters. No longer do indigenous people have to occupy a site to get the attention of the government. We are at the table and we're not giving up our seats. We have a long way to go to fully heal from the traumas created by historical oppression. I know that removing racist names, investing in broadband for tribal communities, and protecting native languages, those won't change everything. But change, even if incremental, is still change, and our moment is now. With indigenous voices in power, perhaps we can create the world that those who occupied the rock envisioned, one of equity and justice. I know that I stand here on the shoulders of so many leaders who came before me. I stand here because the path that many carved ahead of me was clear, and I am very grateful for that. 
I intend to work with and for all Native people so that we can ensure Indigenous children have every opportunity to achieve their dreams and one day stand on my shoulders to achieve more than we can even dream of. Dawa F. Thank you. Thank you. And we're back here on Full Circle, 94.1 FM, KPFA, and kpfa.org for those of you listening live. That drumming we just heard was from the Habenapo Big Valley Tribe of Pomo Indians from Clear Lake, and they have lived on that land for at least 14,000 years. And before that, we heard from Deb Holland, the first Native American Secretary of the Interior, reminding us of the story of this land, of oppression, racism, resilience, resistance, cultivating community, and a cry for transformational action. And again, all the sound was gathered this past Saturday, November 20th, at the 52nd anniversary of the Indigenous occupation of the Rock. Yeah, and for me, uh, hearing that, it kind of brings back a past I feel like I kind of never had since my dad and my family kind of removed themselves from our reservation lands when he moved out with his mom as a child. So to me, it's really about something that I feel I missed out on in my childhood. And in fact, it wasn't even until I was in my 40s that I learned that my people sing um, while shaking a gourd. I didn't even really know that, that they don't even really use a drum so often. So yeah, it does bring back a lot of emotions and feelings inside me about a possible path that maybe I could have had if I would have been more connected with my people from my dad's side of the family, my Native American people. That's powerful, Frank, to think about what could have been, especially since it was by design to make sure that folks didn't have access to their culture. And I'm sorry that that opportunity was stolen from you as a child. And I want us to remember that Indigenous folks are here and are not going anywhere. Yeah, right. Um, Thank you for that, Shiloh. And listeners, um, we're going to move on now as we have a short clip from David De La Grande, graduate apprentice, with a few of the dancers from Saturday describing what it means for them to dance at the celebration. And then we'll hear from Kenny C., Kendall Craco. Um, She has a quick chat with uh, Paloma Flores, one of the organizers, about the celebration this year. Check it out. My name is Genesis Rosales. I'm from 
North Dakota, Turtle Mountain. So we're talking right now to one of the dancers. Tell me, how does it feel to do the dance? And then tell me, what does it mean to you? Well, I feel like a butterfly when I'm dancing fancy. <laughs> That's what it kind of represents, a butterfly. I feel really good dancing this. I think I feel like better dancing this than any other style. How do, you, how do you resonate with it? Give us your name and then tell us a little bit about you and your dance. Oh, my name is Tanya Rosales. I'm from Milpitas, California, and I'm Ojibwe. I dance old style jingle, and it's a healing dance. And I'm happy to share the dance with everyone today. And we've been doing a lot of gigs throughout the month of November because it's Native American History Month. But every day and every month, is Native American History Month, but um, this is just a chance for us to represent as Native people, and yeah, I just, I'm thankful to be here. So this is Kendall Craco here on Alcatraz Island for KPFA 94.1 FM, and we have a very special guest here with us. Would you mind introducing yourself for the audience? Jimmy Sumway. Hello there, relatives. Paloma Flores of Pitt River Nation of Northern California, Medesi and Atsuge Band, also proudly representing the Purépecha people of Michoacán, Mexico. I'm here as my official role with the American Indian Cultural District in San Francisco, the Director of Community Development and Partnerships. Thank you, Paloma. Thank you for being here and thank you for talking with us. What's alive in you right now, gathering with all of these elders in celebration of the original occupation? Spirit, living history, standing upon the land, the legacy, the movement, knowing that we're all a part of something so much larger than one. We're all a part of something that will live on and serve as an example of hope and what can be possible when the people come together for the people, magic happens. I'm honored to just be here and to contribute in any way I possibly can. Little or large, offer a song or just be here with the people to stand with the elders, the original occupiers, the founders of this movement. It is everything right now to my own being and my own work to know that after 52 years as California Indian people, as intertribal people here in the San Francisco Bay Area, this seven by seven, we are still here. We are still here in that this moment, this opportunity creates visibility for our American Indian community. This moment, this movement creates an opportunity for us to know our truth and to understand the empowerment that comes through modeling and existing and moving together in the same direction, all as one for the purpose to serve, for the purpose to create opportunities of change, for the purpose to shift minds, shift consciousness, and offer people an opportunity to know their power within is to be action-oriented. And much more importantly, outside of being with the people, is to show the larger San Francisco Bay Area residents that we as Native people are still here and still very much a part of this land and will continue to be so. Thank you, Paloma. really appreciate you talking with us. Anything you want to add about your work and, and your hopes for the future? and your generation and all the generations to come after you. As being a young leader, 
as being someone who was inspired by the inspired, first getting hip to or understanding what Alcatraz was as a student at Cal Berkeley. And to stand with them today, I feel a sense of even a renewed purpose, a sense of this responsibility that I hadn't had before to continue to carry this legacy work on, to tell the story of Alcatraz to all who will hear and listen, and to honor the legacy work that we are currently doing within the American Indian Cultural District, being the first of its kind, of its size in the United States seeking to empower the voice of Native peoples, to increase visibility, to work within government systems in the most effective way, to have services and resources be equitable in distribution, to bring to light the living truth, the lived experience of our San Francisco Bay Area Native American American Indian community to ensure that our kids, our next younger generation, will not have to continue the same fight that we are building on that was started 52 years ago. My hopes, my dreams are to remain present and connected, to honor the work to be with the people and to continue to uplift our voices, to tell our stories, to tell our history, our truth. We have not gone anywhere. We are still here and we will always be. Welcome back to Full Circle, your cultural affairs magazine here on 94.1 FM KPFA. I love how Paloma reminded listeners of what can be possible when the people come together, that magic that she talked about. I really felt that Saturday, the living history of existence as resistance and the power and magic of self-representation. And related to that, we will hear more from my interview with Morningstar Galley, who is a leading voice telling the living truth of the story of this land. My next question is about like with all the information about this holiday and how it was actually created and what its historical foundation is, why should anyone celebrate this holiday at all, like the the one for like known as Thanksgiving, and then also in your ideal world, how would you like the practice to be seen, like culturally in the entire United States on this occupied land? What would you like settlers and everyone to do during that time? Well, I think you know, in terms of larger conversations um, about this holiday, about Native American Heritage Month about land back. That's, you know, such a trendy hashtag. It's always so interesting because they're like, you know, the response that that we got, I, I think is like, oh, you don't actually mean land back. <laughs> you don't actually mean not to celebrate in this traditional way. And we're like, yeah, that's exactly what we mean. We mean land back. I think that, you know, I'm not against gathering together with your family. I'm not against, you know, gathering and offering thanks and making those offerings. We do that every day. I, you know, absolutely see that as an indigenous value and in terms of coming together and sharing with your family and and sharing with your neighbors and, and community. But I think that it can be done in a way that, you know, we're talking about narrative shifting and we're talking about truth telling and that as educators, as school teachers, like there's so much that can be taught in a different way that doesn't glamorize this holiday, that doesn't sugarcoat it, that doesn't pretend that we all came together harmoniously 
teach the truth of what it's about, that this was a day where Wampanoag relatives were massacred. This is a day where Native peoples were willing to sit in those Indigenous values and, and offer their food and offer what they had. And it was used against them because it is not our values as one of greed. It is not our values to turn and and enact violence against someone when you are are reaching out to your hand in in a peaceful gesture. Mm -hmm. And so acknowledging that, acknowledging what this holiday really is and what it represents. And and for our tribe, for our relatives on the East Coast, for Wampanoag and, and Eastern tribes, that this is a national day of mourning for them. Um, and, you know, and, and respecting that and honoring it and not trying to challenge them in that way. And so we have what has turned into our own traditional celebration in terms of honoring the resistance, in terms of honoring the fact that we're still here, in terms of offering those collective prayers as we gather with 5,000 people in the morning, but just acknowledging all of it, that we all practice our customs and our traditions in in these ways and that we are asking for the truth to be told that, you know, I say that as a California Indigenous woman, every day is a fight against invisibility. Every day is a fight against the erasure. The state of California was very intentional and it was by design that the state was founded on the genocide of California Indian people that through the state-sponsored genocide, $5 million in bounties were offered for the heads of Indian women, men, and children. You know, this is very well documented in soldiers' accounts. This is very well documented in in books such as um, An American Genocide and Murder State. And so please do your research. Please learn the truth and history of what occurred and be willing to share that. Share that with your neighbors, share that with your community, and that we all have a collective responsibility, not only to help to steward the land of which we are guests on, but also to tell the truth about what happened to the people that still continue to live here. It, I, because it's important, because it's a, it's like saturating our, our our culture without any thinking. And to me, it's like the most harmful holiday period. Absolutely. There was nothing to celebrate mm-hmm. here. You're celebrating a holiday about murder and genocide and rape. That's what's yeah. happening. And you're sitting around with your family eating food on occupied Absolutely. land. And it's just, it's other countries and other cultures do a day of mourning when this kind of genocide is in the history of that place. For sure. And, and we're still here actively celebrating. Which gets me to my last question. Because this holiday is, holiday is strong and thriving, given how how much this is sort of saturated, this culture, this settler colonialist culture in the United States, how do you think this cultural practice like harms indigenous folks and native communities, but also settlers and people who are here who either don't know the true origin of the day or they do know and they choose to celebrate it anyway? Uh, I think it's very damaging in the sense that there's so many folks that are willing to buy into the lie. They're willing to pass it on to their children and they're willing to continue this false narrative. That's that's what it is of, of what this day is about and what it represents. And so I think that, you know, in all of the work that we do, it is a process of moving towards collective healing. This is the healing of ourselves individually, healing within our families, 
healing within our, our communities and, you know, and, and healing our people overall. And so I think that when people are making an active decision of going against that and going against, you know, I don't want to pay attention. I'm going to pretend that this didn't happen. I just want to eat my meal and, you know, (laughs) pretend none of this is true. I think that that's, harmful to themselves, right? That we have to come to terms with some sort of reckoning with with ourselves and with our spirit. We have to come to some sort of understanding how we exist and we're in balance with the land that, as I, I mentioned before, that we are all guests. I currently reside on Nisanan, Miwok, and Maidu territories. I am a guest on this land. I am a guest on the Ohlone relatives land of where I was born. And so as guests on this land, that it is our responsibility to leave it better than we found it. We walk into somebody's home and, you know, hopefully we're willing to wash dishes after they've prepared a meal for us, are taught to be good guests. And again, that goes back to Indigenous values of just, you know, looking after one another. In COVID, we're at a time of of mutual aid that, you know, we are depending on one another for our own survival, for our collective survival. And so I think that there's there's absolutely a responsibility there to tell the truth. There's absolutely a responsibility to be in in support and to share the current issues that Indigenous peoples are facing nowadays. And there's a responsibility to teach our children the truth of what's occurred. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into spaces that maybe I don't belong. I help to educate various you know, a county presentation or a philanthropy presentation. And I've had people come up to me afterwards and say, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm very well educated and I didn't know any of this. And it's by design, it's by erasure that this information was not made available, that they probably didn't learn any of it if they learned, if they learned it at all. You know, it was through taking a Native American studies course or an ethnic studies course means that there is a responsibility to be able to share this information out. And there is still leakage into Clear Lake for an area that has been documented for over 14,000 years of continuous, you know, living and village site to tell a community you can no longer eat the fish here now. It's poisoning you. The mercury from the, we call it the toxic toxic legacy of the gold rush. This is still very much continuing and and happening to us today. And so don't turn your head from that. It's not easy to be able to, you know, to face the reality and tell the truth, but it is how we collectively will be able to heal when those efforts are being made. Thank you so much for that. to be up here. My name is Shreya Tatatas Pueblo Ute in Kiowa. I just want to sing these songs in honor of my uncle, Phil Collins. He traveled on. He was an NAC roadman. He was my roadman who gave me my gourd, and he was also part of the occupation and out here uh, working with AIM. 
Oh, it's in Iowa, wanna hey nay. 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 Yeah, hi, oh, it's in Iowa, it's in Iowa, it's in Iowa, wanna hey nay. Yeah, hi, oh, it's in Iowa, you wanna hear on a hey nay. Oh, it's in Iowa, wanna hey nay. Oh, it's in Iowa, wanna hey nay. Oh, it's in Iowa, wanna hey nay. Cultural District in San Francisco. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember, we are all guests on the land. And Frank, I wonder what it would be like to transform Thanksgiving from a holiday celebrating settler colonialism into a day of mourning, reconciliation, and recognition of the actual history of this ancestral land that we are all guests on. That's right. I think that's actually what we need. So while you're out there um, these next weeks after this uh, festivities, um, keep that in mind and discuss that with your family and friends. And let me remind you before we head out tonight to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight to learn more about all the voices featured tonight and the organizations. And let me give a big shout out to all our guests and in particular Morningstar who somehow found the time to talk to Dr. Lenada Warjack and to Indians of all tribes for the work that they continue to do and for not giving up. So much love and gratitude. Thanks for tuning in and turning inward to tell the truth about self-determination, sovereignty, and solidarity during Native American Heritage Month. Yeah. And let me give a quick shout out to the Full Circle crew. Our executive producer is Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant. My co-host right there, Sentient Shiloh. And me, Freewell and Franklin. I am your technical director for this show, Full Circle. And I have been your co-host for tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA because coming up next is Londa Bajita. Good night, everyone.